Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 29th, 2019, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, special guest in studio, Slane. What's up? Thanks for coming it's in. It's a hot one today, Danny. It's oh, hot. It is a hot one. And, uh... It's extra hot in here because we actually just finished recording a video game for my YouTube channel. Pick up your sticks. My YouTube video game series, Pick Up Your Sticks. Make sure you subscribe to my channel right now, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. We played the new Madden 20, which doesn't come out until later this week, this Friday, I think is the official release. But my partnership with EA Sports, they send me the games early. I have Madden 20 early. I did some giveaways and a live stream over the weekend. And uh, me and you played a game earlier today. We're not going to tell you what it, tell the people what happened. We're going to make them go watch. But it was a very interesting game down to the final second. With a questionable call by myself at the end. Right. I, could, I couldn't submit. Again, we don't, we don't we have don't to get to the t- result. We don't want to tip the result. We'll just tell them, go to youtube.com slash Danny Picard. <laughs> watch that episode. But um, So it's extra hot in here right now. I mean, what's it going to be? 90 degrees, 92 degrees here in Boston And with the today? humidity, they're saying like 100 over 100. So now, we're both sweating through both our shirts sweating. right now. And you can actually see, I have video rolling that you'll be able to watch on YouTube. Uh, you can see that we're both sweating right now. But this is a first. I have the door open of the studio and a fan blasting in. I never leave this door open. As hot as it could be in here. I always close the door. Let's hope the sound is all right. Uh, oh, the sound will be fine. I'm not. I'm never concerned about the sound. I'm concerned about like people walking into the studio while we're recording something important. Right. And not to say that this isn't important, but you know what? The most important thing is our health. And I, I'm, my fear is that if we keep that door closed any longer in here, we will both pass out during the show, and nobody will even know because we got this curtain over the window, and we won't make it. And this is a tough place we're to gonna, end things. We're going to die in this room, you're saying. <laughs> this is a tough place to end things uh, on the Danny Picard Show here at Podcast One, also on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. So, Slane, what's going on with you? Well, how's your summer been? It's been amazing, man. I've just, uh, you know, I've been uh, a lot of baseball with my son, a lot of uh, recording my album in the studio. I wrote a screenplay. I'm working on getting that made, so... Balance. Balance, Danny. Uh, So screenplay, recording, is there something coming out soon that we should keep our eye out for? Yes. Keep our ears open for? Yep, I'm going to be back at it with the music. You know, I've had had a long career. I've put a lot of stuff out, and uh, I'm confident this is my best work. This is your best work? Absolutely. Why would you... What makes it your best work? It's It's inspired. I mean, I took a year off last year from music, the first time in my life, to really study acting, because I had put so much time... You know, I'm talking 60 to 100 hours a week for over a decade yeah. on the music. And what I realized is I'd never put in that kind of time with the acting. And, you know, I, I, you know, I have a natural talent for it, but I'd never studied the craft. So I really took some time last year to do that. And I studied screenwriting because I knew I was going to write a, a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to invest some time on that side of things. Plus, you know, I, I felt myself in a place of... Um, you know, you never want to get comfortable in your in your art. You know what I mean? When when you get to that place, that means you're repeating yourself. So I needed to step away from for a little while. And when I came back this year and started a recording, I I, uh, I just felt 
re-inspired. I had some different stuff going on in my life, and I kind of have a new perspective, a new clarity, a new dedication to my writing process, and uh, I'm really happy with the results, so I'm, I'm excited for people to hear the new record. Um, how much help do you get? Like, when you say study the the film industry, is that what Colin No, from- I, stu- I studied the craft of acting, so I, I, I went... Uh, to a place called Nancy Banks Acting Studio in, in Hollywood, and and she works with a lot of the a lot of actors, and and I worked with a guy named Daniel Travis, and uh, you know studied out of plays because I've primarily done film, and, and it's a lot shorter work. So you know when you when you study it, when you work in plays, like you know some of the scenes are eight ten pages long. You got to memorize the whole thing, and you you know but you have a lot more room to study character and and kind of the, the arc in a scene in one particular scene is a lot longer than it is in, in, a, in film or television. So when did you do this, go to this school? I, I did that, uh, so 2018 and part of, 20, part of this year, too. And so you were in plays? No, oh, no, 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 no. This was more, I was, I was in class. You were in class. Know, so I didn't was, know if they turned that into throwing you into a play. Somewhere. No, but I might do that again soon. You know, the problem with doing plays is, you know, I got bills to pay and, and yeah. I got to... And it's it's not as lucrative as some other stuff, okay. but someday I'll, I'll probably do some some work in plays. What's the biggest thing that you learned? Because you've been in some, you've had some big roles, some good roles in some big movies. Yeah, you know, somebody just came up to me a couple weeks ago, and and mentioned you and said they saw the move, the scene with you and The Rock. Right. And 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 I think they were. How do I put this? I don't know that they were like shocked that you were in that spot. But they were like, oh, like it was, that's cool. You know, the, the fact that all of the things that you have on your resume, you now have a moment where you're in a pretty big scene with The Rock. Yeah. And he's, what, the biggest actor in Hollywood, right? And Kevin Hart. The and, Rock and, and Kevin and Hart. And Kevin Hart. Which is why I took that, by the way, because it's a smaller role than I generally take. But, you know, when you have a 10-year-old son... You know, doing a scene with The Rock and Kevin Hart, you can't really turn that down. Not sure. that, not that I wanted to turn that down, anyways. But uh, yeah, it was cool, man. It was cool working, and that guy is a pro. He's a pro. He's really. Uh, I was really impressed with him. He's everything that you see. On, there's no, there's no bullshit in his game. That's the way he is in real life. Is the way you see him on social media and on TV and everything. Really high energy guy. Very focused and and driven. Smart dude. But you've been in these roles in these huge movies. And so I look at that and I go, well, what else do you have to learn? Like, well, what would here's you the learn? thing. So what's the, you know, like, I, what nev- I never, takeaway? I never studied it because, uh, you know, Affleck told me after the town, if you ever, if you ever go to acting school, I'll never hire you again. And he said that as a compliment to my natural ability, I think. And I think he liked that about me is that I kind of was raw. And, you know, a lot of directors, I think, don't like when you come in with the process that's learned and stuff like that. And you kind of just use your instincts. You can't teach instincts. But um, as I started progressing, I realized that there were, you know, there were certain things that I could play really well, like anybody can. Everybody has kind of a wheelhouse. But you know, I, I found like some of my accent, while it might be beneficial in roles like The Town and Gone Baby Gone, when mm-hmm. I'm reading for other stuff, it was more difficult. So that's also one of the things I did. I worked with a dialect coach so I could go in and out of different accents. And it also helped me with my recording process because as part of that, I learned the whole tool, uh, you know, of the diaphragm and 
you know, kind of speaking from my stomach and projecting and projecting for the back wall like you do in a play, which is different in a film. But so there's all different aspects of it. But I think part of uh, <clears throat> one of the most important things I learned was it was something I had a bad habit of doing was I was memorizing the intention. So when I'd memorize dialogue, I was attached to what the intention of the of the of what the actor was saying was so when i memorized dialogue i would memorize it by listening to it i would i would do the scene i would listen back and it was a quick way for me to memorize dialogue it's how i've always memorized lyrics it's a mistake because if you have to do it a different way your brain will not will only remember it the way that you heard it the way that you've said it repeatedly so i learned how to uh memorize and wrote by writing it writing it down and that way i can adapt the line huh. to a hundred different ways whatever the scene calls for because you might go in with something and then you work on it with the director but if you can you have it memorized a certain way it's hard to deliver it a different yeah. way so i mean that was just one of the things but there's a lot of stuff man i you know i i came to a point with it where it's like i don't know everything about this and i think there's nothing wrong with sharpening your tools. You know what I'm saying? And the practice of doing it every day. Because when you're acting, you can go months without acting. You know what I'm saying? You can go a year without acting. I'm out touring and doing music. So I just try to get into a daily routine now where I stay sharp with it. You know what I'm saying? I try to do a little something geared towards it every day, whether it's reading something or, or reading uh, screenplays or plays or whatever. I just try to kind of stay in tune with that aspect of what I'm doing. So Affleck told you, never go to an acting school. If you do, I will never have you in another one of my movies. He told you that right after the town? He told me that when we were shooting the town. But I, you know, I talked to him later. I mentioned that to him. He was like, oh, I was just giving you a compliment. So it was, um, he was just, I took it to heart. And I was, you know, cause one of my managers years ago was like, you should go take, and I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> That Ben told me not to yeah, do ben that. Ben told me not to do it. I'm not fucking with my shit. So you've talked to Ben since, and you told him you're doing this. Yeah, and he told me he was he was busting my balls about saying that. Although I have talked to some other directors who who are against it too. You know, we're against acting classes. Yeah, and well, the whole accent thing is funny because uh, people listening to this are going, Danny, you should go to that class. The accent, you should get rid of that accent. And to that, I guess I just kind of say well fuck you no um yeah. you know because my well it's part of it's part of what you do too i mean well, it's, i'm not it's in a movie you, i'm in a real this is a real life real personality i'm showing you who i am right I'm but i'm I giving also, you raw reaction i you're, also you're had a, sim a role but i had a similar experience where like part of my brand and who i, I mean it's who you are that's your real accent yeah. my real accent is a boston accent yep so i think that becomes who you are becomes part of your brand. So people don't want to see you go outside of that. But when you're an actor, you have to. So you have to learn. I mean, I, I, I posted something on social media about going to a dialect coach. And I can't tell you how many Twitter comments were like, sell out, sell out. Why are you changing your accent? Now, it's like, nah, you need to be able to do different things. People are saying that, but but the minute that I you... I mean, people are dickheads. Yeah, but you know, you know what? Well if you I went do. on social media and you said someone told me to go to that and I said no... You know what the comments would be? They would say, oh, you sound terrible. You should go lose the accent. Like, that's what it would be. Yeah. So people are always going to Bottom line is you something. can't worry about what other people say. No, no we had what. this conversation off the air earlier. Yeah. You can't worry about what people on social media are saying about you because that will drive you absolutely fucking bonkers. Oh, insane. Insane. And, and chances are it's just some miserable prick who's in his mother's basement somewhere. Yeah. Um, so don't worry about that. But that that's... I didn't know that you were going... 
through all that stuff. Yeah, like, man. I mean, you know, this is what I do for a living. You know, the music and the acting, and I and I have a very unstructured day if I don't structure it with different things. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of things I have to do to work and to run my business and do all that, but I also have to take care of um, staying shop with my craft and what mm-hmm. I do and progressing and getting better because you can't do the same thing in 2019 that you were doing in 2009. It doesn't work like that. You have no. to progress and grow and, and change. Now, you do, you, do you ever reach out? Did you... Like, do you reach out to other actors and say, hey, I went to this. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. Like, all right, you go to this acting class. There's still some questions I have. But maybe I should ask those questions to, you know, some of the stars that I've worked with. No. Like, would those people be open? Like, could you call Ben? I think. Would he be open to giving you? I think actors love to talk about acting. And that's part of the value of this class. So, you know, the class is a lot of other working actors. So. Big names? There's not. Some, but there's not. There's Can not, you give the big, like a big name that that's in it with you? I don't want to. Can't give that away. Know, I don't. No? I, I don't okay. like to give I, I, up, take other people's inventory. <laughs> but you know, are people ashamed of this? Would they be no, ashamed? No, of no, it? no. I don't think so. But I don't. You know, it ain't my place. Yeah, to do it's not that. your place. All right. But uh, yeah, but I think a lot of working actors do it to stay sharp. And part of the value of there's no right and wrong answer. There are choices that you make when you're an actor. How you're going to play a certain thing. But it's interesting to see how different people do different things. And it's also. Um, it's just it's just smart to surround yourself with other like-minded people who are in the same field. Like, you know, I, I hang out with a lot of other rappers and MCs and people who make music for a living just by nature, by virtue of doing it. And, uh, you know, as with anything, there's a certain savvy that comes with being in the game for a long time or recording. And there's certain things that only other artists understand and you can learn and talk and <clears throat> you know and shed some light on stuff to to some younger artists or whatever but it's all you know it's part of it all right well that's cool um and i look forward to seeing the projects that you have coming down so you screenplay i'm gonna try to direct it myself I, you're I wrote... gonna try to direct the, the whole thing yourself now it do you have to go to another school to learn how to do that? Or is that kind of... No, I mean, I you know, part of it has also been uh, I watch what people do. I watch how it's done and all You've that. You've been on the scene enough to know, like, do you pick things from certain directors and go, I like how he's handling that. I think so. And I'll take that. I don't like how he's handling that. I'm not going to do that. I think you, so. You and I think that. part of it is, you know, knowing your strengths and weaknesses in different areas. But the reason I wrote this screenplay is because I felt like I'm only getting cast in certain roles. People see you a certain way and that's what you get cast as. But I'm capable of other stuff. So I wrote this. It's something way out of the box for me. It's a comedy. It's kind of like a, a family road trip comedy movie. And um, I don't think anyone else would cast me in it. <clears throat> and I think if I sold the screenplay, they would cast somebody else in it. And I think if I gave it to another director, they'd want a, a, you know, a movie star in the role that I want to play. So I'm going to direct it myself and I'm going to raise the money and I'm going to shoot it myself. Okay. And that's what I've always done in my career. I, di- I didn't wait for a major label to give me a record deal. I didn't. <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't wait for somebody to do something for me because nobody's going to do shit for you, as you know, with what you do. As I know. And you have to build your own lane 
And part of building your own land is you got to take on extra responsibilities. You are setting up the cameras before this, you, the microphone, the audio feed, because who's going to make it happen for you except for you? Nobody else. And that's what I learned in this. And, and, you know, and I found myself at a place a few years ago where I'm going in and auditioning for roles and auditioning. It's like I'm going into audition for a job with people that see me a certain way that maybe don't have the biggest imagination or capacity for what I know that I can do. Mm -hmm. So in order to give myself the opportunity that I want, then I have to build it. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. Right me now. and you are in like, I feel like on the same road, only, you know, taking different exits to, to eventually to, to different careers, but we're both on, on the same road. We're, we're both kind of, building it ourselves i guess you could say it is a do-it-yourself world yeah and the way i look at it is it's do-it-yourself with multimedia so i get the podcast i do in video um you know i'm a columnist as well i write but i guess are you trying to are you trying to prove that so is the the film industry it, it's it also now can be a, a do oh it, it absolutely world. is i think everything is man i mean you know for all the downside of the internet and the stuff we were talking about um i think the good part of it is that we have the tools at our disposal to do things ourselves and um you know good art finds a way man or you know if, if you have a passion to do something and you work hard at it and you look you use the resources at your disposal i'm confident that you can build things like that i'm, I'm confident that you can build momentum in that direction i've done it before with music and and um you know Something that you said a few minutes ago, though, that I feel like I can also relate to is people in your industry see you as a certain way. And because of that, they wouldn't cast you in the role that you're now going to cast yourself in the screenplay that you're writing. And so you're just going to do it all yourself. They see you in a certain way and you feel like in a way that's sort of that's held you back. In oh, certain 1, spots in, in the past, how how do they like? What is that way? How do they see you? I don't. I mean, it's tough for me to say how other people see me, but but you, you know. know, and I I I feel that with me in my industry too. They see me a certain way, and in a way, I have felt at times victimized, like I'm a I'm a victim of something. I don't know what. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what. You can't really put your finger on it. You think you might know, but then you see something else happen where someone gets this, and you're like, well, then I guess it can't be what I thought it was. So what is it? Like, there's a way that people see me and 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 there's nothing that I can do to, to change their minds on that. So, again, that's why I'm doing it all myself. I'm sort of forced to do it all myself. And the, you you feel the same way in your yeah, well, I what think is What we, is that? Have I you think, put your finger on what that is, how they feel about it? I you? think it's several things, but I think <clears throat> ultimately we're, you know, we're in a world that has other forces at work. So we're not connected into these businesses because... Our dad, my dad was a film director or, or, you know, somebody in your family was was uh, big in the radio game or works at Radio One or whatever. Na National they... Grid has no pull in the uh, sports yeah, radio industry. So, you know, so we really have to come in as an outside entity. And I, I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of nepotism. There's also political trends at work where we need this kind of person or this kind of person for this job and we need to service this demographic and we're not in that at this time we're not included in what we're not in the click 
we're not we're not in the good old boy network number one but we're not we're also not in what the kind of political tide is pushing for their agenda neither on either side of it i don't think we're on we work with either model mm. so um i think that has to be taken into consideration because you can't just push forward with your goal without recognizing what's going on in the world at the same t time. And if you recognize that you're not in that group, or as I've said before, like in that clique and that group of people, um, you can't just stay in that bubble knowing that, that you're never going to be a part of that group because you'll never be able to get to where you want to go. And, and so, you know, you have to look out for yourself and yeah. you have and you to gotta get your own juice. You have to you make decisions that are not the most popular decisions in other people's eyes, but you have to make those decisions knowing that um, there are people that don't have what's in your best interest and mine. And you need to do, you know, you need to, to make decisions based on your own best interest. Right. Nobody has your best interest no. in mind except for you. No. And, and uh, nobody knows what you can do except for you. So if you, if you believe in yourself and you're true to yourself and who you are, and um, I think you can, especially if you represent something bigger than yourself and you can get the people on board with you that, that um, kind of fit into what you do. Because there are people that fit into what you do and what I do that, that, that want to see you succeed and that are interested in what you do. And um, I think if you're true to yourself, then the people will come. It's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Um, well, we're both building. And uh, I am excited to see what you are currently building right now, both in the on the film side and in the music side. Um, you know, because I think the last time you were promoting something in here was La Coca Nostra. Yep. Right. Yep. And I've done records with those guys for a long time. They're my brothers, and but I've also done my solo stuff. And you know, I uh, there's a, every project has to be its own world. You know what I mean? You you sure. build you build its own world around it. And uh, you know, I've learned a lot from all the people in my career. I've been mentored by people that I idolized growing up, whether it's like Everlast and Danny Boy and DJ Lethal from House of Pain, or even just working with Ben or Brad Pitt and those guys. And and I've always taken the opportunity to kind of listen to what they had to say and watch how they worked and watch what they do across the board with mm. everyone. What, it, including Be Real from Cypress Hill and Muggs from Cypress Hill and, and just watching the way those guys operated. And, um, you know, the, the thing that they all, they're all bosses. They're not workers. They don't work for other people. They're, they build their own thing, you know, and, and uh, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. It's the only way to do it in my, in my estimation. So, all right. So, it takes longer like that, too. You know, like, of course. Don't get me wrong. I would love if somebody wrote me a big check to come and yeah. make my movie with Obviously. the company and I can start next Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's not the way it works. Um, I gotta build no, it. it's not. You got to build it. And uh, I, like I said, I can relate to that. Um, so, let's keep building, at least on my end. And I, I guess we, you know, you're a big sports fan. I am. And this is a sports talk show. So let's talk sports. And uh, you got a Red Sox hat on. I do. And also a Notre Dame t-shirt. Yeah. I, well, they, you know, it's this more. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. Fighting Irish. Um, no, I do I, like. I, are you Dame. more excited for what the Red Sox will be doing here down the stretch? We got the trade deadline this week. It's going to be this Wednesday. I'll be back on Thursday to react to what the Red Sox did or didn't do. We had a big trade in Major League Baseball over the weekend where Marcus Stroman goes from Toronto to the Mets, though I don't really understand that. I guess the Mets are still alive in the NL wildcard race. Um, I guess. But 
you know, I, I, any, I, really everybody's alive in the wild card race if you want to look at it that way. But I don't look at the Mets and think of them as a playoff team this year. So that's why yeah, I don't was, understand I was, the Stroman. That was a questionable move. I'm I not, don't understand the Stroman. I thought they were going to blow it up. Well, because we heard they were going to trade Wheeler, then we heard they were going to trade Syndergaard. I mean, the Mets are six games out, right? I just had to look that up real quick. Six games out of the wild card in the National League. They got a handful of teams in front of them. They're not going to make that wild card. But then they're still, after they trade for Stroman, they're saying they're still going to trade Syndergaard, which confuses me. I don't really, so I don't know if they just wanted a pitcher and now they're going to trade a pitcher for offense. Is that the way they're going about it? I don't know. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I'll react to all that on Thursday, like I said. But are you more excited? So you got a football t-shirt on and a baseball hat on. Are you more excited for what the Red Sox are going to do down the stretch or what the football season is going to bring, I guess, on the professional side of things? You're obviously a bigger Patriots fan than you are Notre Dame. Absolutely. Um, are you more excited for what the Red Sox are going to do or what the Patriots have? Uh, as it's we tough. Have I mean, we're, we're coming camp. off championship seasons with both teams, by the way. Um I will say, I mean, the you know, I got to say the NFL, as much as I love baseball, the NFL just has so much drama. Every game has so much importance on it. There's only 16 games. Every game is life or death. So the nature of it is just more important to me than the baseball season's 162 games. Yeah, the Red Sox have underperformed. They're still in it. But there's plenty of time left. They could make a run here and, and win the World Series still, as far as I'm concerned. So I, I know a lot of people are talking about should the Red Sox blow it up. They're a game out of the second wild card spot. You can't One game. You can't blow it up if you're the you Red can't Sox. You have a 200 and how many million dollar payroll. You got a ravenous fan base. You're, you're defending the world championship. And uh, and you got to keep going not, for it. There's, there's really... There's, there's no way they could sell. I mean, the only way I could see them selling is if they got swept by the Yankees in four games, which didn't happen. The Red Sox won three of four. The most concerning part about it all is, you know, the fourth game, you're like, all right, you win the first three, you got sale on the mound, and it's just, it's soft stuff all night. It was off-speed stuff all night, and, you know, a couple batting practice balls, and, and I don't understand and, what's and he, going on. He with struck, sale, but, struggled, but you know, but it, it, I thought he was injured at the beginning of the season. Then he went on a tear where, you know, I, I forget how many games he had 10, 13, a lot yeah, of strikes. Yeah, a couple you know, games here. And there. He's had his moments this season, but he had a stretch run there, but he just wasn't getting the W's neither. And, and then he's been inconsistent and he's had bad starts. And I just don't understand really what's going on with him because he's been so consistent and so good throughout his career, especially up to this point in the season where we normally see him fall off is this coming month, right? August, he gets hurt. September, he's... I think something's going on. I I, I haven't been able to put my finger on what it is, but I, I just... A lot of off-speed. Too much off-speed. He's got a great slider, but I think what makes that slider so great and so filthy, and one of the filthiest sliders in the game, is that fastball. he's a power pitcher as well. You know, he's pumping it in at 95, 96... And um, it's an electric pitch. But, you know, if he's just off-speed, 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 I think you saw it maybe work in the first inning. I think he had a nice first inning last night. But you keep going that route. It's not electric. It's hittable. And it turns, well, into, bat it turns into what it turned into, which was at times batting practice for the Yankees. Do you think it's part of preserving night. himself for the whole season because he's I mean, run hope, into this problem? I, 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 that's I, the hope. From the outside looking in, that's the hope. The concern is that while he has had his moments of dominance, 
this year, and we even saw recently before this Yankees game, he had a couple games in a row. You know, he got that win at Fenway, his first win at Fenway first win, since first last win year, in a year, right? Yeah. And, That's and, also concerning, by the way. A year goes by, he doesn't win. Yeah, and he wins and losses are deceiving for starting pitchers in Major League with Baseball. With him too, as we this know. year, he's had a bunch of tough breaks. Yeah, with him, if your offense isn't showing, then you know, and you end up getting getting a loss or end up just getting a no decision. You know, that that can be deceiving as to the way you pitch. So you can't. I don't think you can look at that, but. It's been so inconsistent with him that I have almost been waiting for this DL stint, or what are they calling it now, the, the IL, the injured list. Yeah. I'm almost waiting for it because, I, I mean, too much off, it's just too much off speed. Like, I need to see him pumping it in. You go back to late last year. All right, it looked great in that final inning of the World Series where he's shutting it down. But you remember the first, you know, the ALDS against the Yankees, like he was throwing 89, 90s yes. miles per hour. That was scary. It was scary because he, he And lost. when he signed the contract at the beginning of this year, the by the way, for year. under market value, I was like, he's injured. He's hurt. There's no Some way. Some people are saying it's a bad contract. I mean, I don't say it's a bad contract only because you look around the Not league. Not in this day and age. And I mean, huge money being He's one of the top three pitchers in baseball. Yeah. You're looking at it. I mean, that was, he could have got $40 million a year if he went out on the open market. Yeah, I, I mean, he wasn't, he's not going to be a free agent. He wasn't going to be a free agent this season. Um, but still, I mean, get it done now, right? It's just, that's a concern. You know, Chris Sale is definitely a concern for this team. I would say you cannot sell under any circumstances. The only circumstance would have been if you got swept by the Yankees. They did not get swept by the Yankees. They won three of four. Well, now, but it, they're coming up with Tampa Bay right Tampa now, Tampa Bay, right? then so the Yankees if they, again. What if they get swept by Tampa Bay here? That's not, I mean, that's not going to happen. It's not enough time before Right, I just, I think none of that stuff is going to happen. They're not going to get swept by these teams. They're good enough to win. It's not going to happen. I think if you do anything, if you, what I said last week was, if you're going to sell, you sell to buy. And by that, I mean, you know, you take a Jackie Bradley Jr. And maybe you, it's a three-team deal or something. And you're giving Jackie Bradley Jr. to someone. Another team is giving that team prospects, and you're getting, I, you're getting someone else's you're getting someone else's starting pitcher. JBJ is here as long as he can play. In my book, I, he's one of my he's such an undervalued player. You wouldn't get back what he's worth because his you're batting get, average is two thirty two. You could look at it on the surface and say he's not that valuable. That guy saves you eighty runs a year. Saves you eighty runs a year with his defense. He's the best defensive outfielder that's ever played for the Red Sox in my book. He's amazing. I, I think he's too valuable. Even though, you know, he hits for the low, he makes it up. He makes it up. That's like having 80 RBIs a year out of that guy if he saves 80 runs with his glove. Sure, but here's the problem you run into. You have contracts to be given out. You know, J.D. Martinez could opt out at any point in the next couple of years, and if he does that, he's going to do it for one purpose, to get more money. Mookie Betts is coming up on a contract situation. He's going to get a big contract, and I'm not sure that he's worth that. He's going to target Trout, and he should he should target Trout, right? Um, but he's going to want a huge contract, and then you're going to have Jackie Bradley Jr. You took care of Sale, you took care of Bogots, but you got three guys that I just mentioned there that are very important, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, and Jackie Bradley Jr. I think it's unrealistic to take that group of five, Sale, Bogots, Betts, Martinez, and Jackie Bradley Jr., even if you want to take Martinez out of the equation and say he doesn't opt out, we'll just go sale. Guys whose contracts are going to be up. Sale, Bogots, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. You take those four guys. I don't think it's realistic to keep all four of those guys. I don't think you can keep Betts. 
You don't think they could keep Betts? It's too much, man. Do you think he's a, he's going to command $400 million? <clears throat> Do you think he's worth $400 million? You could get two other players for that of that are superstar status. He's inconsistent. Look, I'm a, I'm a Mookie Betts fan. I think he's a 5-2 player. He's a great player. Do I put my franchise over the barrel going forward for him? Especially when you have other other guys who are, are emerging. When you have a great year out of Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, 22 years old, looks like he's going to be a superstar. Devers is going to be a superstar. <clears throat> Devers is... I said this a year ago, I think even when he got called up the, the second half two years ago, I, I'm on the record, and I'm sticking to it, especially now. When Devers is done, he is going to go down as one of the all-time great Red Sox players. Wow, that's a bold statement. I said that last I, he, he year and the year before. He's he potentially could. He's that good. Could. He, think of how young he is. He's one of the most the, difficult outs in baseball this season. Two years ago against Houston, when they lost to Houston in the first round, Devis was the team's best player in the postseason that series. He was in. He was like nineteen, most twenty years old. Here's the most impressive thing about it: when he came out and he played that half season, he, you know, it was it wasn't a half season. He came up after the, <clears throat> he came up in August, right? And he had ten or twelve home runs. He was he was on pace basically if he played the full season to have thirty five home runs, hundred and twenty RBI. We expected that from him last year. He came in. He had, he didn't have that year last year. They had a book on him. They figured out ways to get him out. Now, the great players can take their weaknesses and turn it back into their strength. So whatever it was, whether it was he can't hit the high pitch or he can't, he can't hit the curveball or you can get him here, there's holes in his swing. He's fixed those holes, and that's really what def- defines a great hitter as somebody who can take, after they write the book on them, he can come back and, and overcome that. Mm-hmm. And he's done that. I think he's going to be, he's a keeper. But that gets me back to it. It's, you know, you really want to spend a half a billion dollars on Mookie Betts. Are you that confident? Because it seems to me he goes season, he's not great every season. Two years ago, he had 260. I don't know if he had last year, he had a great season. And then he fell off in the playoffs. And He seems to be on a tear right now. He's on a tear again right now, but he started off slow for the first half of this year. You know, I know he had the 14 total bases the other night. He had three homers. He's so good. Um, he's great. I, I'm not, and I don't mean to say he's not great, but you think that's too much money for someone who's even great. I mean, the question is, the question I have is the money that Trout got. Are those contracts just going up as we go on, or are we going to get to a point where they start coming back down? Because that's the only way it's going to look like a bad contract in eight years. Is if all of a sudden you something happens and there's some type of lockout or right and and all of a sudden the the top salary in baseball in eight years is only twenty twenty five million and you got Mookie Betts forty well, million a year historically they've always they've gone, gone up. up I think what makes it a possibility that they could come down is that the popularity of baseball you ask am I more excited about the NFL or about you're more the, excited the, about I'm more excited about the NFL okay. and I'm a, I'm a baseball guy I love I you know when we were growing up, the Red Sox were clear number one, right? In yeah. this town. We clear. were hungry. We were spoiled. We clear are so, number one. We're so spoiled. Though. Right, but the, I think the Patriots and the NFL in general has far surpassed MLB. I'll even say the NBA is, uh, is ahead of MLB. Uh, yeah. And uh, so now they're the third sport. And the young kids are not collecting baseball cards, watching the games. I think if you look at the 
the ratings and the demographics to who's watching it's guys our age right mm -hmm. so and older and you don't have a lot of the young kids watching why because you get the tablets video games whatever it is and and it takes a lot of attention span so the game could be trending down it looks like it's trending downward so are the contracts going to be able to rise at that level i don't know i mean i here's what i do from the red sox and i think i said this in the off season i i would make an offer that is large enough because the last thing you want to feed the Red Sox is to just let them go. And I don't think you even want to trade them. That's not what that's that's not what I'm doing. But I'm making him a large enough offer where if he does reject it, you can't come back to the team and go, wow, you gave him the John Lester treatment. Like, I think the Red Sox need to try to avoid that. Which was a massive mistake in retrospect. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd... I mean, he went on to win a World Series. No, he's, a, he's a great pitcher, and a, that's a minuscule contract now, looking back at it, right? I just think that Lester... I think the Red Sox knew that John Lester was going with Theo no matter what. Theo was always going to give more than the Red Sox. I think they knew that. I think when you look at Yeah, the, but you could have locked him up before no, he I don't went. No, I don't think, they, I don't think he would have. I no? don't Because he came out and said, I think Lester played that. The, the, like, if you wanted to draw it up as his agent, I think Lester played that... Perfectly, I think there was tampering with Theo. This is my own personal. I, I have no information on this, but I remember watching that play out, and I remember John Lester standing there. Was it in spring training where the media was around him, and he said, "I'm willing to take a hometown discount." That's what he said. Yeah, he said that. He was adamant about it, and everyone's like, "Oh, what a good guy, John Lester." Red Sox made him a hometown discount, and I know people said, "Well, oh, they still lowballed him. That wasn't even that was lower than a hometown discount." And oh, okay, but um. You got a guy standing there saying he's going to take a discount. But I just think he was never going to take a discount. I think they could have offered him a monster contract, and I think he would have tested free agency because I think he was going the Cubs either way. I, I think he knows how important that would that was to his legacy. I mean, to win championship with the Red Sox. Then to go to the, the Cubs, Cubs with his boy Theo, win with the Cubs. I mean, he got free private flights from the Cubs in that contract. Like He got it all. They had that thing ready to go. He, they were, Dio was always going to give more than the Red Sox. They might have been part of the Red Sox going, you know, what, pissing them off maybe. I don't know. But anyways, that's for another time. The Lester stuff, bottom line is most people in town, in this town, think that the Red Sox low-balled Lester, and they don't want to see the Red Sox do that again with another star player. So what the Red Sox need to do is acknowledge that, and they need to make Mookie Betts a huge offer. And I don't know if it's 375 mil for 10 years, for 12 years, right? I mean, he's probably going to look to get 450. Like, I think the number he's going to, like, he's going to want to be the highest paid. Oh, absolutely. And, and. So do you think he's so you worth offer that? you him 375? Do you think he's and, worth that? It, it, you would think, I pay, would do you I pay think him for the next 10 years? I would not gonna, pay him 450. Do you think for the next 10 years he's a $40 million ball player? Um. I think that if you tell if you tell me the contracts are only going to get higher for some of these superstar players, I, I think that yeah he will be. The value in his game, part of the value in his game is his, he's great defensively. He's fast. Right? He's the five tool player, right? Five years from now, is he still that fast? Is he still that great of a defensive player? Does he still have the pop? I think you got to think about those things, man. And like I said, I'm a big fan of Mookie Betts. I don't know if the long-term commitment. Is he the player? I know I want him up in the World Series to, for the last at bat if we, need a, if we need a home run or we need a double. Do I want him up? I don't know if he's the guy on that team. Mookie? I can think of a few other players on the yeah, team. Yeah, I want Mookie up. 
Yeah? Yeah, I want Mookie up. I'm was that he, in he on, wasn't uh, that guy look, last year. Hey, I'm not going to make him the highest paid player in the history of the game, in the history of sports. Like, I'm not going to make Mookie Betts the highest paid professional athlete in the history of North American sport. It is That is not going to happen. If I'm the Red Sox, sorry. You're That's not, what it's going to take. You're not that good. That's what it's going to take. what I will do is... I will pay you similar to the best player in baseball in Mike Trout. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna refuse a contract that maybe is a little less than Trout's, then that's a then that's on Mookie. I mean, if you think you can get more than that, then all power to you. Like, go for the money. I tell you know my advice to these players all the time is go get your money, go get your money while you can. I mean, there's a lot of NFL players that would would love to be going to getting that type of money, right? So go get your money. But from a Red Sox perspective, if I'm running the Red Sox, there's no way in hell I'm paying Mookie Betts the most money out of any professional athlete in the history of North American sport. Like, you're you're a great player, but you're not that great. But what I will do is I will look at the largest contract in the major leagues. I'm not going to pay you more than that. I'm probably not going to pay you that much, but because we have some other huge contracts here. Um, I'm going to pay you close to that. It's going to be less. But the problem is, like you said, Mookie is going to want to target more. Oh, he wants the most. He wants more. He wants the most. And from what I hear, he's not 100% happy here. I'm not saying he's unhappy, but from you know some of the things that I've heard, like he's interested in Who'd you hear some, this from? I don't know. I've just heard different different. Are you things. saying you hear like radio personnel yeah, say I this? Th- yeah. Well, I think then you need to just, you know, maybe not put as much stock <laughs> into that because now... Now you're create, helping create a narrative that was started based on someone's opinion. I'm right, not going right, to go right. there. I have no idea if Mookie Betts likes it here or not. Obviously, you can do something to make him love it here, and that would be to make him the highest paid player in the history of North American that's sport. But take. I don't. I wouldn't do that. But I still would give him. I still would give him a huge contract. Because I think the Mets will make him the highest player in modern sports. I think maybe the Yankees would. I think there are other teams. I think. Uh, I think somebody else is going to pay him the ma- the, the four fifty. Yes. Trout got four thirty. Four fifty is going to look for four fifty. I think so. If I think that's what I, he wants. I'm not going to give him four fifty. Me neither. If that's what you're asking me, are you going to give him four fifty? Me neither. So, all right. So that's I'm where the question comes. Can you still make the run this year without him if you sell him and restock the the minor league system? Well, I'm not trading him either. So you just see what happens. I'm not trading him. Out. I know it. It would. It would. Suck to lose him for nothing, but um, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him. Can you get I, two? I would, can you get two arms and and a at the deadline for him? Two young prospects from maybe a valuable. No, I think in the it, you know what it would be tough because it would have to be a team that's willing. I mean, if Mookie is is dead set on going to the free agent market and is dead set on a number of four hundred and fifty million, I don't know that there's a team that's going to say. I mean, unless you got were able to talk contract with him and sign him to something right then and there, then you'd, you know, then you'd get him. Uh, I'm not trading him. He's not. Get, he's not getting traded. Mookie's not getting traded. So I just think maybe this conversation is. It's a moot is, point. Is, yeah, it's meaningless. Um, I think there's still a good. I think even while that 450 number we talked about will be there, I think that there's things the Red Sox could do. I mean, look, if you made Mookie bets this off season, he's not a free agent next year. Okay. Oh, he's not? I thought he was a free agent at the end of the season. At the end of the season? I believe he's got one more year. Mookie Betts has one more year left. 
Um, I'll tell you right now. We're we're looking at it right now. Uh, Mookie Betts. Let's see here. He he had a twenty million dollar contract. Um, here we go. This is the website I go to to get my. Which we didn't have to give him, by the way, right? Didn't no, we? he's still he's got one more year of arbitration eligibility. Ah, uh, all right. So that's what. So of course you don't trade him this year then. So next not, year is the year to have this. Next year would be the year to have. Uh, well, you get more from him now than you would next year because he has that. You'd have him. The team trading for him would have him next year. Right, but you can still you can. You can suss it out. But in yeah, the I'm not going to trade Mookie Betts. I'm not going to trade Mookie Betts. I'm I'm going to go this offseason to him and say instead of the arbitration stuff where this year we agreed to a one year twenty million dollar deal, next year we'll probably agree to one year. It could be one year thirty million, right? That's probably this offseason what they could work out. Let's say get rid of that thirty million, okay? Let's get close to the forty million a year mark and let's do it for eight to ten years. And if it's, I don't have my calculator in front of me, but we're talking three seventy-five. Well, eight years, forty million. Three seventy-five for three seventy-five for ten. Like, would that get it done? You think? Maybe. I mean, because the risk on Mookie's end would be, well, if I turn down three seventy-five for ten, oh, let's say it's three seventy-five for eight. If I turn that down, um. What if I go to free agency the year after and that four hundred million isn't there for me? Something happens in a leak. Like that's the risk. I mean three seventy five for eight years is just insane. I mean, because three twenty would be forty million a year over eight years. So three seventy five, that's an extra fifty five, eight. It's forty seven million a year. That's insane. Yeah. You're paying one guy almost $50 million a Well, year. it's eight, eight years. I mean, what's the concern for a large contract like that? It's that when you get to year 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, they're not the same player, and that's when you're really overpaying a guy. Or but if it's a career-ending in, injury sure, three or four you can't years look in. at it like that. You know why you can't look at it like that? Because you could say that about... And we, we're going to get into the NFL in a minute before we get you out of here. But... um. You can't do that with injuries because I say this in the NFL all the time because it could happen to anyone in any sport. You could say that about anyone NFL's in any NFL is different, though. Sport. NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts, so and that's the reason why they don't. They have, 50, they have too many guys on the roster, right? And they don't have the, the, um, the guaranteed contracts, so if you make a big offer to someone and they have a career-ending injury, you don't have to pay them. You know, you're only on the hook for a portion of the contract. The guaranteed, the signing bonus, the you know what up till date to whatever they played. Well, it'll get it's going to get interesting with Mookie, but I think that for people to have that conversation about trading him this week, that's not going to happen. Yeah, they're just not going to do that. They shouldn't do it. Um, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm not doing it, and we both agree the Red Sox should not sell. I don't know if there's anyone out there that says they should sell, especially now, only a game out of the wild card spot as we record this. Though they do have this Monday off, I think. They play Tampa beginning tomorrow night on Tuesday night. But um, whatever the Red Sox do, whatever happens in Major League Baseball, I'll react to it on Thursday. I will say we mentioned the Mets. We mentioned Syndergaard. I, if I'm the Red, I think here in Boston, we should keep an eye on that name. Because I don't think Syndergaard's going to get, the Yankees would love him, but there's no way the Mets make that trade. Send him to the Yankees. There's oh, no way. That I think be, the Red Sox could. Be cool if well, we the Red Sox were off. in, there was a rumor the Red Sox were in on Zach Wheeler. And Zach Wheel is a name I've been throwing out there for the last five years. The Red Sox should go after him. He has 
he's just injury prone. If you're going to talk to the Mets, you don't talk about Zach Wheelie. You get nuts. You talk about Noah Syndergaard. Um, I'd be interested to see if you're the Mets, you just got Stroman. If your purpose of getting Stroman is to then trade a pitcher for some something else. I know they got Conforto in center. The Mets. Is Jackie Bradley... It, like, back to the conversation of the other Red Sox, you can't keep all these guys. Let's say they are dead set on keeping Mookie. I mean, Bradley Jr., the reason I bring him Devers. up... Oh, no way. <laughs> Please. Devers is untouchable. Yeah. Devers, Mookie is more touchable than Devers right yeah. now. Um, but if... You know, I, Ben Attendee's not untouchable to me either. Yeah, because he's another guy whose contract's going to be up in a, in a couple of years and after arbitration stuff. And it's like, if you can't keep all these guys and you want to start and pitch it right now. Well, you expected him to emerge the way Devers did this year, and he hasn't. So, um, whatever. Syndergaard's a name to keep an eye out for here in Boston the next couple of days. But anyways, you're more excited about football. We just did almost an hour on baseball, but you're more excited about football. Yeah, I love both. But I think, uh, you know, how can you not be? You got Tom Brady coming back again. Uh. You got Belichick coming back again. We know that, and we've been saying this for five years, like, is this the end? Is this the last year for Brady? Is Belichick leaving? What do you think? Is it? I don't know. No contract for Brady. We never know when it's going to be the end. And this is such, I mean, it's the glory. We'd like to know, though, wouldn't we? You're talking about a a guy whose prime, his NFL prime, if you look at it, has been 37 to 41. He's been to four Super Bowls. He's won three of them. He's been to five AFC championships. He's won two MVPs, right? During the time from 37 to 41 where most NFL quarterbacks are done. And then he posts a video on Instagram where he's running the fastest 40, a faster 40 time now than he did at the Combine 20 years ago. How can you not be more excited for that? I mean, uh, this it's, it's, it's getting to watch Michael Jordan. It's getting to watch Babe Ruth. It's getting to, I mean, this is the greatest football player of all time. Final year of his contract. Tom Brady. He is entering How long the can final he play? year of his How contract. How long can he play? Can he make, can he Why do you think this is the final year of his contract? Why do you think there's no contract done for Tom Brady yet? Because Jimmy Garoppolo's gone and I you know the 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 weird thing that's floating out right now in the rumor mill is that the 49ers can opt out of Garoppolo's big contract after this coming season. Oh yeah? Yeah. They have a chance to opt out. And you know he's coming off the injury. Let's say he doesn't. Let's Jimmy say G? he doesn't perform, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, we, we're gonna move on. That's not gonna happen. First of all, they're gonna keep him. Okay, they're not opting out of the contract, even if he sucks. They are gonna stick with him to make sure they squeeze everything they can out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Every piece of knowledge that Garoppolo acquired from Bill Belichick and the Patriot and the Patriot way. They are going to keep him around as long as they can to squeeze everything they can out of him. They're not going to opt out of that. So anyone thinking, well, uh, they don't give Brady a new contract and they'll just bring Garoppolo back in the offseason. That's not going to happen. So with no Garoppolo, you look at, you got Hoya, Stidham, Etling. They've been using Etling as a wide receiver now in training camp. Yeah. One of the quarterbacks. Brady's your only guy. When the ship goes down... Brady's going to be at the helm. You you basically have committed to that. So why doesn't he have a contract beyond? Uh, I don't this think season? it's an issue, man. I think Brady is just here. He he says a number, we'll give it to him. It's not. 
I mean, I would like for that to be the case, but that's not how it's worked with Brady. I mean, he's never been the highest paid guy. Right, but I mean, I think he works with the team in order to bring in all the guys he needs, and that's kind of the understanding with it. He has more money than he'll have have to use, you know, between him and his wife. It's so easy for me and you to say that. If I'm Brady, at some point, it's like, guys, come on. Like, give me what I want. I mean, the Patriots should give him what he wants. Yeah, happily, you know, but I think... They he they would have if he wanted that, but I think he wants. <laughs> I, well, I think he wants enough flexibility to. I'm assuming. You know what my assumption is. What is it? I mean, the assumption that I I just think is the most logical one is that Bill Belichick runs things a certain way. I mean, it's just the way he works. There's a value. Brady's 42. Like, I don't know how he feels about the kid he just drafted. Like, I I don't know what he's thinking about. Other guys that could be available. like I have no idea. I don't. I don't know what Belichick is thinking. The the only thing we have is to assume, and the logical assumption based on how he's functioned is that there's a value. It's the Patriot way. Brady's forty two. Why give him this? Why give him an extension now? Like who knows what he's going to look. Again, that's the assumption. I want to see Tom Brady here as long as he wants to be here. I think that the Patriots should give him whatever he wants. Of course. There's going to be a statue in front of that stadium with him. I mean, yeah. he's a Patriot for life. There's no way he goes anywhere else, no matter what. He's going to be coming back when he's old and gray and waving to the fan. I mean, come on. He is the franchise. Like, he is that big with this franchise where he will always be synonymous with the, with the New England Patriots. Always. So, I, I told you a minute ago, I'd like to know when it ends because I, I just... I. I want to embrace this. Like, I think about training camp now, and, um, you know, I think to myself, we don't have many of these left going into the season. Knowing I'm going to be a, devastated. Oh, it's going to be tough. I, I won't be able to watch football for the year. I'll tell you what. When I didn't watch the Red Sox much the year after David Ortiz left, it was it was a year. Completely I, different. It was a year. Well. Completely different. David, David Ortiz may, if Brady is here. Ortiz is right there. Okay, fine. He's an icon with the franchise. He's the greatest clutch hitter in the history of the MLB. But proven that you can win without that type of guy, in, and not even just the Red Sox proven it, um, which, which obviously Well, it's they a different did. sport. This is it's your quarterback. Sport, which is it's why it's a different thing. With the Patriots, with football, when you have a quarterback that this, that's this dominant and this consistent and this great for this long a period, not only do we get spoiled, you know, we ended up... Because of being spoiled, we get complacent and we just, um, we expect championships. There's a point in time that is coming very soon in the next couple of years. It's going to be tough. That we, our natural reaction will be to maybe expect championships and we will not have it. We will not be anywhere close. And um, we're going to enter training camps going... What's my interest level right now? You know, you know what I mean? And so I'm trying to embrace this. Like another training camp, Tom Brady. I hope this contract thing doesn't mean this is the last one. How old one. are you? But, 36. But, so, all right. So, see, when I was growing up, I'm 41. When I was growing up, the Patriots were brutal. Yeah. Every year, 1 and 15, 2 and 14. The one year we made it as a wild card to the Super Bowl in 86, uh, 85, but the Super Bowl was in 86. How old were you Bears. for that one? 
I was nine. Oh, you were. I was eight. Do you remember that? What, oh, you, yeah. I remember. What, I watched it, and I remember yeah. being. I remember squish the fish and bury the bears, and I remember being devastated when we just got blown out in the Super Bowl. But after that, it was just, uh, Andre Tippett got injured the next season in in uh, in the preseason in one game. Garen Barris, Andre Tippett, and Lepet. Uh, three of their star players got injured and it was downhill from there and we never saw a winning season again until Bill Parcells came into the fray and that brought it back so I mean that was the beginning of what brought it back and then Pete Carroll come in and and then you have this golden arrow with Belichick that's lasted this long it's going to be devastation Mm -hmm. not only when Brady retires I'm going to be devastated but if Belichick stays then at least it'll give some I still think that He'll put a team together, and we could. I because you referenced the Matt Castle year, right? Where they all right, they didn't go to the playoffs, but they won eleven games. And Belichick has proven that with a backup, he can win some ball games. And you know, he's got some. He's got that defense going. I, I here's what I think will happen. I think Belichick is a hundred and ten percent going to take a shot, at least one shot, to win without to Brady. win without Brady. with the Patriots with the Patriots. You know, the other side of the argument, because I've looked this up and researched it when people say Brady, uh, Brady's nothing without Belichick, and I, I, I forget what it was, but I think his record was 51-55 and 55 as a head coach without Tom Brady, including the Matt Castle season, I think. Uh-huh. Something, it's something like that. You know, he's a 500 coach. Well, you always have that debate. Did Belichick make Brady, at, or did Brady help make Belichick? I think it was just a perfect combination a perfect of two personalities that worked together and understood each other, and and one made the other great. Put it this way. You know? I, I think, yeah, I think it's a perfect combination. I think both would be Hall of Famers if they, was, if they never were on the same, in the same organizations. I think they both would have a championship, maybe two, but neither one of them would go on a run like they've gone on if they weren't together. Like Brady could have, you know, throw him on any other team. When you go back to his, you know, and I hate when people talk about Brady being, you know, he's a system quarterback. You go back to old clips of Brady, you know, finding uh, Dion Branch deep down the field. Like, Brady could sling it. Yeah. Like, people, like, I, I just think people get a certain idea about a certain player in their head, and, and they just all of a sudden turn it into that in their own brain, and that's not reality. Reality is Tom Brady is not necessarily a product of Bill Belichick. He got a shot because of Bill Belichick. He got a shot because of uh, Mo, Mo Lewis. Is that? No. Who? Mo Lewis. Mo yeah. Lewis. Not, you know, hit Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe. But I think if Brady was with another team, he was a he's a good enough player, a dedicated enough player, a talented enough player that he was going to be a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, I but mean, he wouldn't have six championships. That's what they can't test in the NFL Combine is somebody who's so motivated, who has so much determination, who has that chip on his shoulder, who has the vision. I mean, it's all the intangible stuff as much as, and he still has. He's he's a great athlete. People people really, I think people think of athleticism like jump, how how high you can jump and mm-hmm. how fast you can run. It's like no hand eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination is an athletic ability. You know, durability is an athletic ability. You know what I mean? Some of these things that he, his vision of the field, his, his cool under pressure, I mean, that stuff is all athletic ability that you can't test that stuff sometimes in a combine. Mm. And, uh, I mean, he's just one of the greatest athletes. I, people don't use that word. Uh, Tom Brady is one of the greatest athletes of all time because they, they, they think of athleticism in a narrow view. 
It's like, nah, he's one of the greatest athletes ever, ever. Yeah. There's no question about it. And no I, question. I think they go back to that. I think they're in it for the 10th time this year. You think they're in the I think they're Super in the Super Bowl for the 10th time this year. Okay. Um, and it's always a nail-biter, you know? So I, I can't guarantee a championship, but I think they're back there. I think they get back again. Breaking news, Saints potways with receiver Cam Meredith. What's yeah. the status with the, the Michael Thomas uh, tra- uh, contract? Are they going to pay him? I don't know. I mean, the Patriots have... I mean, they have questions at the receiver position. Obviously, with Gronk retired... Josh Gordon suspension. Um, Chris Hogan now in Carolina. Edelman's got thumb injury, right? He broke his thumb playing catch. He's going to miss the preseason. Um, and it's tough for a rookie right, wide receiver to come right in and make an impact. But... I'd like to see Dorsett. You know, he seems to have Brady seems to trust him, but then we saw last year, like early on, it looks good, and then they go away from him completely. So it's like, you know, where are they there? Uh, you know, they bring in another tight end. I, I think Gronk is going to come back. Where are you on that? I don't know if he's going to. You don't know if he's going to. I don't know if he's going to. I I think there there, there was a percentage that was out there last week or two weeks ago. Mike Florio reported on Pro Football Talk. A source close to Gronk told him there's a 40% chance Gronk unretires and plays for the Patriots next year at some point. If there's a 40% chance, it's a 100% chance. But I don't don't think – I mean, I really think the guy was a shell of himself last year, and I love Gronk, and, you know, I've I've kicked it with him a couple of times. He's a great kid. I also think, you know, despite his image, I think he's smart enough to know, like, he doesn't want to be rolling around in a wheelchair when he's 41 years old neither, and, and he's, take, he's had nine surgeries. Mm-hmm. He clearly was not the best tight end. He's always been the greatest tight end I ever saw. Until last year, and last well, year. I mean, he's pretty damn good in the Super Bowl. He was. He and not even just catch. as a receiver. Made a big catch. Big then a big block. Yeah, you know what he was doing as a blocking tight end last year was, I mean, just to even ask a superstar, we'll call him a receiver, a, right? I mean, a receiving tight end superstar, Hall of Famer, not even close to being the highest paid, and he has an argument to be one of the highest paid players in the game, and not even close to that. And you're gonna ask him, hey. Go block, keep blocking for us. You know, be a blocking tight end. Well, that's what I mean. Do you think he's going to come back this year to be a blocking tight end? I, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I think he has a lot of other opportunities, and uh, he can make a lot of money oh, without putting, putting his body. You're going to get you, you. You got a film coming out. You want Gronk to be in the film? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Not even that. I, I just, <laughs> I don't even, I don't know if he's going to be a. a you know the next rock. I I would have a hard time seeing no, that honestly, but of I think not. And he, but he, I think he can not in the ring or in Hollywood. It could by be the in way. WWE. It could be just no. as an ESPN guy. I think he's a personality man, and I think he's gonna. He is a hundred and ten percent returning to the Patriots. He already played catch with Tom Brady at UCLA a couple weeks ago. He already <laughs> has the itch. I'm telling you right now, Drew Rosenhaus. Um. You know, there's this audio. Have you ever heard the Rosenhaus audio the no. day after he retired? No. First of all, the whole retiring thing was weird. The whole retirement. Like, have you ever really, like, I, I sit here every day. This is what I do. I, I dig into this stuff. I, I think of, like, I put myself in their shoes. I put myself in the player's shoes. I put myself in the agent's shoes. I put myself in the family's shoes, in the organization's shoes. What really is going on with the Rob Gronkowski retirement? And I have a theory, and I'm sticking to it, and there's a lot of pieces I've put together. You go back to last offseason, they threatened retirement. They threatened the things you just said. 
Hollywood, WWE. And, you know, they got a little more money with the incentive stuff, right? And, and, but it really wasn't. But well, it he, was, didn't, he didn't make them. No, incentives. he didn't make them, but at least, at, you know, at least they got a little more. Like, they use it as leverage to get something else. Whether that something else ended up working with incentives or not, it doesn't matter. At the time, it was like, all right, we got a little more. Rosenhaus, talking to Gronk, he's like, last year we teased retirement. We didn't get, we got a little more. We didn't get exactly what we wanted. This year, we actually retire. You're going to do it on Instagram. You're going to make the post. I'll be on Sports Center the next day, keeping the window open, right? Keeping that 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 door cracked for unretirement. <laughs> Have you ever heard this? No. Nah. Rosenhaus? Oh, we're going to play right Wait. now. Here's Drew Rosenhaus. The day after, it was a, I wrote this in a column, and I remember, a 308-word Instagram post. And by the way, so I get, I, this, is, this is what I said on a previous show, and this is going back, but I'll say it again while you're here. I, because I covered the Patriots as a reporter, I'm on their list for like media and they send you press releases every day. You get a press release if the McCordys are going to get lunch. At Straga. At Straga. <laughs> there's a press release to let us know. Anything. Bill Belichick just made a peanut butter and jelly for the first time. Press release, right? Um, you get them for everything. The only press release that the Patriots sent out after the Gronk retirement, and still to this day, unless I missed it, but I even, I've gone on the website and I haven't seen it yet. There's no post on the website. There's no press release that came out that just said, Rob Gronkowski retires from football. And then just is a hard story that lists all his accomplishments. There was a comment from Belichick, a statement from Kraft, statements from those guys. That's it. Just statements. That's it. It was weird to me. That was weird to me that we didn't get the Rob Gronkowski retired. I get the sense that, like, to me, I saw that and I'm like, this is just negotiating. Belichick's like, oh, you want to post it? Oh, you want to make a post on Instagram? You done? Okay. Hey, here's my post. Uh, Here's a statement. Gronk. Yeah, great player. Yep. Thrilled to coach him. Yep. Hall of Famer. Yep. Robert Kraft makes a statement. Yep. Great to so have in looking in your crystal ball. Right. No, and then then I see the, the Rosenhaus. I, I, I see Rosenhaus on ESPN. Here's his agent. Literally, the next day, this po- Instagram post wasn't even out for 24 hours yet. And this is what Rosenhaus is on ESPN saying. I don't want to uh, get anybody's hopes up. Rob Gronkowski is retired, and it's unlike... Oh, wait, you don't have headphones on. <laughs> hey, those headphones over there. We got them. Wow. Can you, let, let's see if you can hear this. We'll play that again for you, because... um. This needs to be played. Sorry about that. Drew Rosenhaus on ESPN. I don't want to uh, get anybody's hopes up. Rob Gronkowski is You still can't hear it? All right. Um, oh, you know what? Hey, you got to plug him in. <laughs> hey, it's all right. Plug it into the one. See the little metal piece in the back? The metal piece sticking out? Uh, you got it here. You know what? I got it. I got it. I got it. We got this little metal piece right here. You get that? Alright, you, you can toy with the toy with the audio yourself. I'll let you play role of producer today, too, Slane. You know, you got the <laughs> equipment right in front of you. Um it's so hot in here. We didn't have you wear headphones. I didn't think I'd be playing Drew Rosenhaus audio, but here we are. Drew Rosenhaus on ESPN. Can you hear? We good? Yeah. You got audio? Here yep. he is, Drew Rosenhaus. I don't want to uh, get anybody's hopes up. Rob Gronkowski is 
retired, and it's unlikely that he will ever play football again. However, I did close my conversation with Rob yesterday when he called to tell me that he was going to retire. And I said, Rob, just keep in mind, if you ever have a change of heart, you can come back and play. I'm sure the Patriots would welcome you with open arms. If it's sometime during the season, if it's late in the year, if you feel good and you want to come back and play, we will make it happen. That's all. I was just a suggestion. I couldn't let go without leaving that in Rob's ear. Hey, listen, Jason Witten did it. Witten, another Hall of Fame tight end. He took the year off, and then he decided to come back. Rob's still, he's 29 years old. There it is. You know, he's still a very young man. It wouldn't shock me if he has a change of heart, if he feels great, and he decides that he wants to play football. But this is just me talking. This isn't Rob, (laughs) and I don't want to create any unnecessary uh, expectations, but... Rob is a very unique personality. If the uh, if the team was struggling or they needed him at some point next year, and let's just say hypothetically Tom Brady gave him a call and said, Rob, I need you, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if he came back to play a few uh, games. Oh, right. So that is the day after. Now, the first thing that jumps out to me with that clip is that Drew Rosenhaus. That's his agent. That's his agent. Oh, he's coming back. Drew Rosenhaus goes, Rob called me to tell me he was retiring. Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that that's how it went down? No. <laughs> Rosenhaus and Gronk. Yeah, they're conspiring together. They're, they're in a room together. And he's like, are you really going to retire? Forever. Are you really going to retire? It's not like, hey, Gronk, if you're going to retire, just give me a call and let me know. Oh, hey, Gronk's calling me. Oh, are you going to retire? Like, that's not how it Really? If I'm Rosenhaus and Gronk's like, I'm retiring, I'm on the next flight down. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, they build every plan of his career together. He's a he's a Hall this of Fame. A he's a Hall of Fame tight end. This he's- is a business. Rosenhaus is a businessman. And the audio that you just heard, I just changed your mind with that audio. You did. did I not? You did. He's coming back. He's coming back. Now, what about moving on from Gronk? <laughs> that, what, was it. that was easy. What about, what about Josh Gordon? Um, well, that's a whole nother issue because that's an NFL issue and Gordon's been suspended so many times for this. I don't, I don't know that the NFL's in a rush to let him back. Do you remember what, what I told you that me day, and you uh, had this conversation we had this conversation and you said his lock is next to Brady. He's going to do it. I said, look, it's a tricky, it's a disease, right? So it's, it's a tricky disease. He has, I don't know. Like sometimes it's not enough. I'll tell you. The, and, but I also said, that I'd be rooting for him more than anybody. I've dealt with similar issues. And just when it's hopeless for somebody sometimes, as it was for me, when everybody has counted you out, nobody thinks you're going to be able to get sober. Sometimes it happens. And I have a feeling this time about him. I think he's going to do it this time. Yeah, but it might not matter. Like the NFL, we, for us to sit here and try to predict NFL suspension stuff, it's the point where we might, we're wasting our time. Look right. at the Tyree kill then. But the Patriots haven't given up on him, and I love that. I love that they didn't give up on him. I love that they're, they're interested in bringing him back and giving him another chance. Yeah. That makes well, me— What does that tell you? Does that tell you that he— does that I t- think that he has a chance to come back. I think he's going to come back four, six games into the season. I think he's going to be back this year, and I think he's going to— I think he's going to have a fire under him. I think he's going to stay sober this year. I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. I just don't know. Again, the Tyreek Hill thing, you hear that audio and you're like, oh, this is automatic suspension. I mean, he's literally on the phone with his fiance saying, you know, you better, 
better, and he didn't get suspended. You better be scared of me too. <laughs> like, like by saying you better be scared of me too. Not only one are you acknowledging the hurting your son, which is what the phone call was about. What did you see? The- but you're also saying not only am I going to hurt my son, I'm going to hurt you too. And I'm not laughing that he's going to hurt that he's hurting his son and possibly going to hurt his fiance. I'm laughing at the fact that this is so blatantly obvious that this is suspension worthy that I'm laughing that the NFL didn't suspend him and they said there was not enough evidence. There's well, a fucking phone call of him threatening his yeah, wife. Yeah, but let's be honest, though. I mean, it's not like he deflated footballs. I mean, he only, <laughs> you know, it's only domestic violence. It's not like, it's like, not deflating footballs. Brady served four games. I'm hip, man. Because the, the footballs were not- You demonized not- the best player in your sport. <laughs> For for bullshit. It was bullshit. It's not even real. Yeah, we don't even know if it happened. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Even if it did, who cares? Who cares? You had players coming out going, yeah, I've done... Aaron Rodgers was like, Aaron Rodgers, the golden boy, the NFL, right? Everybody thinks he's so great. He's like, yeah, I like my footballs to be to be over. The, to, you know, sometimes I, I like them more inflated. So he said yeah. something along the lines of that. It's just a, Brady served four games and then you get a guy who's threatening his wife basically admitting that he hurt his son over the phone and you're like, well, we don't have enough evidence for that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, so for it's me crazy. to even sit here and and, and wonder what they're going to do with Josh Gordon, like I just, I have no idea. I have no idea. I do think Kronk's coming back. You think so too. And um, I don't know when that is. Could be week eight. Could be week 10. Could be week 12. Who knows? How long is Edelman out for? Only preseason. And I think oh, he'll be back for game be, one. Yeah, I think they'll be, be overly cautious with that. But you got Ben Watson. You got to realize, too, hey, ben Edelman is a player, man. He's a psychopath. Like, he's he's the kind of guy, I mean, if you told, and a friend of mine told me this about him, who knows him. If you told him that he could make the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl, but it would end his career, the hit that he took after the catch, he would opt to make the catch and, and end the career. And end the career. To win the Super Bowl. Yeah, because he's, he's that much of a gamer, that mm. guy. Like, he's got a couple screws loose, but well, you I have love him. He's, he's emerged as as a receiver. I mean, he's he's one of your greatest receivers in the so history he's of the a franchise. Hall of, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer now. He's, he went from being somebody who was a star or nobody to a star to a superstar in that first in the Super Bowl against uh, – Against the Seahawks, I think he became a superstar in that Super Bowl. And since then, I mean, that catch he made against Atlanta. I mean, did you just... watch the Julian Edelman documentary that he <laughs> I haven't created seen that of yet. himself? I haven't hmm. seen it either. Oh, he made it of himself. I think so. so. That's like the new thing. Hey, we were talking about yeah, we do, do it, it yourself, yourself. <laughs> Julian Edelman, right? Um, uh, Julian Edelman, and we'll we'll end it on this note because it's. Well, I kept the door open in the studio, so we're getting some air in here. It's not usually this much air. Um, it's a good weight loss program. Out. I have to shoot an album photo, t- uh, album cover photo tomorrow, and uh, like I mentioned to you, I haven't been sticking to the diet, so I go. was like, "So this, this is, is this so, is helping." So we'll end on this. The Julian, <laughs> the Julian Edelman story is one that, and I'm not. I know I'm going to sound biased because I'm a Patriots fan, and like this is my team, and we've been talking about Patriots. And we're both Patriots fans. We're going to sound so biased, but um. I think the fact of the matter is, when you look at Julian Edelman's story, it is one of the more special stories that we have ever seen in the history of the league. He was, and there are things in his story that get overlooked, that piss me off that they get overlooked. And the thing that pisses me off that gets overlooked is not the fact that he was a college quarterback at 
what Kent State. Yep. And was uh, seventh al- round pick almost or... didn't even get drafted. And I mean, basically, you get drafted that late. You're basically an undrafted free agent, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you could call him that if you really wanted to. So we will undrafted free agent. Uh, all right, seventh rounder, Kent State quarterback through the football quarterback. All right, option run. But you to turn yourself into a wide receiver at the NFL level, and not just any wide receiver, but a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver who's winning Super Bowls, making catches that he has. But the thing that gets overlooked, that pisses me off that it gets overlooked so much, you go back to what, like 2011, 12, 13, his first couple years. They had him the year that they played Baltimore in the AFC Championship. Billy Cundiff misses the kick. Mm-hmm. Patriots go to the Super Bowl. What was that, 2011, 2012? The second Giants loss. 2012, yeah. That... Oh. The playoff game was in that 11. AFC championship. Julian Edelman, you know what his role was at Potts in that game, in big points in that game. I think in the second half, because things weren't working in the first half. You know what his role was in that game? What's that? He was playing cornerback, covering Anquan Bolden. Really? Yeah he he was covering Anquan Bolden as a defensive back. Anquan Bolden with Baltimore. I don't for, remember that. That's for a couple insane. years, was unstopped. The year that Baltimore oh, beast. won the Super Bowl. He's a beast. Joe Flacco got MVP. Anquan Bolden should have been MVP. Or he at least should have been co-MVP. Because Anquan Bolden, that was the next year. The next year, Anquan Bolden, again, his, his next year with Baltimore. They came in and beat the Patriots, right? And that was the year, I think, that... What was his name? He's running up and down going, Have fun at the Pro Bowl! Tom Brady, have fun at the Pro Bowl! They beat the Patriots the next year. Anquan Bolden was was unstoppable, but the year before that, when the Patriots beat the Ravens in the AFC Championship, Edelman, it might have been Edelman's first year. I don't even know. Yeah, it might have been his rookie year. He was playing defensive back. They had him covering Anquan Bolden crazy. in big spots on defense. And people are just like, people don't even acknowledge that. I don't know. Maybe they mentioned that in his little, in his video. I think about that all the time. I was covering the team at the time, and I'll never forget that stuff. I'll never forget how he was playing defense. Now, it wasn't every single snap, but there were there were snaps. There were big plays, third down plays. He was on defensive end, even if he wasn't covering Bolden. Just being on defense. Yeah, he's a great athlete. He was man. playing offense, defense, special teams. I mean, I remember he used to, uh, Belichick used to bring Troy Brown in to do that early on. Yeah. Uh, I forget who he did it against. But let's be honest. He was no Julian Edelman. I mean, Julian Edelman, Hall of Famer, for having playing defense alone, in my opinion. And I just think it, you, it's just something that gets overlooked. And it pisses me off that that gets overlooked because that, to me, is like, whoa. No, I think you're right. I, you know, Troy Brown, we, he's a great receiver. He was kind of like a walk-on. He was an undrafted free agent, right? And, uh, and you, I just hold him in such high regard. But if you have to compare the two, it's Edelman. Edelman. Yeah. Edelman's. Oh, yeah. A phenomenal receiver. Phenomenal um, receiver. Yeah, and I mean, he obviously has the, the connection with Brady, and, and um, it's just, it's, I mean, I know we do this with the Patriots, where we're like, nobody will, we always say, nobody will, will replace him, and then what does Belichick do? He finds a replacement. Like, nobody will replace Wes Welker, Welker yeah. and what happens? Belichick and he's a better finds, ver- he's a better version of Welker. Finds replacements. And I always say, you know, I'm to the point where I just, in Bill, we trust. I mean, if you're not trusting Bill at this point, you know, I just think you're playing devil's advocate because everything that Bill Belichick does seems to work. But certainly, the road that Edelman has taken 
is one that is not traveled at all by anybody and anybody who tries to do it. We've seen Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Um, who is the kid from Nebraska? Eric Crouch? Eric Couch. Couch, yeah. Crouch, whatever. He comes in, turns into wide receiver, dud, right? You got Kent State quarterback coming in, you know, now he's a Hall of Fame receiver. Like, it's crazy. So there are certain names yeah, on, this, on these Patriots teams that you're like, well, um, you know, these guys aren't replaceable. Like, and Brady, Edelman, you know, there too. So Patriots going to the Super Bowl. That's your prediction. Patriots going That's to the Super prediction. Bowl. I think the Red Sox will make a run. I got one more prediction yeah, before one more. we go. Because <clears throat> we didn't touch on the Celtics. I think Carson Edwards was the steal of the draft. I thought because of the NCAA tournament appearance I, that he had. When I watched him, that's a kid Purdue, right? In the yeah. NCAA's, I was like, "This guy is an assassin." How he, I looked, I looked in the rankings, and I was like, "I thought he'd be top five, top 10. I'm, I keep scrolling down, I keep scrolling down. He's he's not projected to go until forty in the draft, and then he ended up, I think, going thirty three to the Celtics or thirty six. That guy, maybe it's because he's undersized. He's six one, but he's got a six six. He's wing, no wingspan. Taco Fall. He can shoot, man, and he can score, and he's got a chip. Edwards can shoot, not he's, Taco Fall. He's got, a, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I think Carson Edwards is going to be a star in the NBA. That's my prediction. Um, All right, then. What, what was your take on the NBA offseason? Uh, I hate to say it because, I'm a, look, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm on board I'm with the team. I, I thought Kemba was kind of a mistake, man, as good as I think. I am with you. As, as good as I think he is. I think you responded to my thing when I made a, I wrote something on Facebook and and it goes to Twitter. But Twitter. I thought I we would be on better Twitter. off with getting I did, Vujovic. Yeah. And Well, they just overpaid him. We talk about overpaying Mookie Betts. It was a reactionary move because, because we lost Kyrie. And it's like. Kemba Walk is the highest paid player and has the high, biggest contract in Celtics history. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, and I what? hope I hope it works out. But he's a small he's a small point guard. He's gonna take a lot of the shots away from. I want to see Tatum and Brown. I believe in Tatum and Me Brown. Me too. I want them getting twenty shots a game this year. I don't expect them to win the championship this year. I expect this to be a development year for those guys to emerge as stars, to make a little run on their own, for them to embrace it as their team, and to let them grow. I think Tatum is a future Hall of Famer. I think Jalen Brown is a perennial all-star. And I think you just got to give the keys to those guys and, and build around them. Well, wait. Would you have kept Rozier? I like Terry Rozier. That was the other part of my too. thing. I said Rozier uh, could be Kemba Walker in Charlotte, being the guy that takes all the shots. I don't know if he's Kemba Walker, but I think he's... Well, be, you just got to look. Put him... Put yourself on that team. He's the best athlete on the court every time he's out there. He's, he's going to shoot he's, for them. He's an excellent def, uh, rebounder for a guard. He can shoot good enough. He's he's got a, a knack for the ball. He's he's he can he's a he's a great scorer, man. When he wants to go to the to the hole too, but he also allows. He also would have allowed uh, Tatum and Brown to really carry a lot of the load. Hopefully Haywood comes back, but I to you know up to and returns to form. I, do, I just don't know about Kemba, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I just don't know if he's a great fit for this team. We're lacking a big man. We need, we you know, maybe Taco Fall, but nah. I, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not keeping my hopes up for that one, but, I mean, Kemba Walker thing, I just think he's highly overpaid, and I think it was one of those situations where they must have looked at it and said, oh, we got this max contract, let's just give it to someone, and it's like, eh. I think, I do think, and I think that Terry Rozier, while it looks like he's overpaid, you look at all these contracts. That's what's that? Three-year, fifty-eight million dollar deal. 
that's good. that could look like a great contract. Oh, absolutely. And, and next year. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody's trashing Terry Rogier on the way out. They don't like his attitude, whatever it is. That's dumb. That because, kid is, you know why? That he, kid's an excellent He was player. saying maybe he shouldn't have gone on ESPN. He did it the wrong way. Yeah. But what was his message? His message was Kyrie Irving's bad for the Celtics. Was it not? Right. We were all saying the same shit. So now, so why are we going to crush Terry Rogier. Rogier? Terry Rogier is a tough kid. He's a tough kid. I... I think we're going to miss his attitude out on the court. I liked Terry Rozier a lot. Uh, the I, team that went to Game 7 of the East Finals without Hay- without Haywood and Irving two years ago, I just wanted to see them with that team again. I wanted to see. I was ready. Give me that team. Me too. And that's why I said Vujovic. That's why on that thing that you responded to, yeah. I, I, I thought you kept, if you kept Terry at the point, Terry Rozier at the point guard, you have uh, I'm with you. They Jalen Brown that. Yeah. and Hay- Yeah, I mean, that's that's the team right there. But All right. We'll, we'll see, see what, what happens. happens. We will see what happens. Slain. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's always good to be and, here. And uh, hey, when you're going, me. when you got your new film out, hey, you know what? Hey, if you need any spots, if you need anyone to jump into I'll a keep film, keep that in mind. <laughs> I don't know if you saw 363, the road to the Celtic three on three on YouTube, but um, you know the but acting. Did you ask me to play a role in the next one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna have the sequel. But uh, when you got the film out, when you got the new uh, the music stuff out, make sure you come in. We'll promote it here. And we'll uh, we'll see what's going on in the world of Boston sports at that point in time. But um, awesome. thanks for coming in. Again, YouTube, we played Madden 20 earlier today. Make sure you watch that. He is slain. I'm Danny Picard. Get this show at Podcast One, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Smash that subscribe button. Turn notifications on. Do all of that. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm back on Thursday to react to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which is this Wednesday, I'll react to what the Red Sox do, don't do, and what else happened around the league. Again, Slane, thanks, thanks for having for me, man. Yes. All right. Peace. Talk to you soon.